The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Well, what a weekend in sport. We'll talk uh, rugby in a moment with Keith Wood. But first of all, uh, Kathleen McNamee from Off the Ball. Um, a good week for the women. A good weekend for the women. A very good weekend for the women. Um, we had Leona Maguire in Europe. They kept the Solheim Cup after quite a dramatic comeback from them. I mean, the opening few rounds did not look good at all going down 4-0. But it was actually a 14-14 draw in the end, which is the first time ever it's happened in the 33-year history of the competition. And when it's competition. a draw, whoever has it keeps it. Basically, yeah, which is a little bit strange. You think there would be a playoff or something there, but uh, Leona Maguire put in a really good shift towards the latter stages of that competition and it was definitely one of the key reasons that they managed to retain it. And she was chatting afterwards about how they saw themselves as a team of fighters that they managed to retain. And then we had the women in the Aviva for the first ever time on Saturday. I was there, I was on co-coms for the game for Off the Ball and uh, it was an incredible atmosphere Close to 37,000 people there, a 3-0 win. It's been a long time since we've seen this Irish team put in a couple of goals and get a clean sheet as well. So it was very much a day that felt like a day of celebration. We had Tyler Toland returning to the squad after her exile during the period of Vera Pau. And also Caitlin Hayes, uh, the Celtic captain. She got her debut performance and Tyler did win player of the match but it really could have been Caitlin Hayes she put in an extremely good performance at the weekend and you, I was talking to her afterwards and she was saying you know she always admired Louise Quinn and I, I think we might have another Louise Quinn on our hands there hopefully yeah. uh, with the way she played so great for them to get that they play Hungary again tomorrow at half six which is on the TV as well so important one to tune into Okay and in terms of the Premier League uh, Newcastle 8 Sheffield nil. Yeah, it was a disastrous performance for Sheffield United. And uh, as I was saying to you just before we came on air, not great for Irish supporters when you look at John Egan John being Egan. the captain there. Really, really difficult day out for them. I mean, yeah. I was, was listening to the commentary uh, on News Talk yesterday on Off the Ball, and really I felt sorry for them. You know, we say to Newcastle, just. You know, don't do it. Stop, please. But they kept doing it. <laughs> They're already dead. Stop. Uh, yeah, well, I think everyone probably would have expected Newcastle to put a couple of goals past them, but definitely not the eight. Okay. Uh, and uh, we had a victory for United against Burnley, uh, 1-0. Uh, their captain uh, actually scoring uh, the winner. So it's... It's some small comfort for Ten Hag. Small comfort, but not a highly convincing performance. I mean, a team of United's standard or what they would consider the standard for themselves really should be beating a team like Burnley by a, a couple of goals. Um, so, yeah, a, a small comfort in that it's a win. And it kind of has been how they've got a lot of their wins so far this season. Not entirely convincing, but mm-hmm. just scraping through. And then you had the North London Derby too, which ended in a 2-2 draw. It was one, one of the more classic ones, you have to say. All right. yeah, Kathleen, thank you very much. Listening to all of that, Keith Wood. Keith, good morning. Good morning, Pat. How are you? I am very well. I described it as a heart stopper on Saturday night, watching it on the telly, and the dog almost had a heart attack when I jumped up at the end at the final whistle. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, there was the great joy of listening to Zombie from the Cranberries in the stadium was, if I'd hear, it would stand up on end. You know, it was just, it was truly extraordinary. It was an amazingly nervous atmosphere, great crack beforehand, nervous for the whole of the game. And then the relief and the noise was truly spectacular. It was an amazing performance by the team. Yeah, there's a bit of controversy about zombie. I don't see the point because, uh, you know, as someone who's singing an anti-terror song in a stadium which was the subject of a terrorist attack, if you remember, uh, at Stade de France. Nothing wrong with that at all, as far as I'm concerned. A- anyway, the, the rugby on the pitch, I mean, the, the, the pundits are saying 
you know, if South Africa had a kicker they could trust, well, they would have won uh, with a little to spare. I'm not always sure about things like that because every score creates its own dynamic thereafter. Yeah, I, I, I've, I'm in your um, in your camp for that one, Pat. I, you, you never quite know what's going to happen wherever. Um, different circumstances that happen in the field. But if we'd won the first four or five lineups, we might have done something more with that as well. So that's the nature of a game. Things happen over a period of time. I will say that South Africa are an extraordinary side and an incredibly potent side if they put over points. That is the one thing you'd hold against it. So they looked nervous for it. They were then trying to kick speculative kicks from their own half um, with not frontline kickers. So that's their decision and we can only deal with what we deal with. Um, and I just thought the manner in which Ireland pack uh, all the backline fronted up to what are unbelievably huge men and not just 15 of them. There's another eight of them pop on immediately after half time. So it becomes incredibly difficult to be able to meet and deal with that onslaught of power and energy. And that's the piece that worked for We made loads of mistakes, but it wasn't, and they made loads of mistakes because it was a nerve wracking game, but it was a game of the highest intensity. I mean, it's, I think it came through through the, te- through the television, but it was so intense and the hits were so big and the quality of the discipline was so high, it marked it out as, as an extraordinary game. Now, uh, Ronan Keller obviously was the subject of some uh, criticism and I'm sure you as a hooker would have great sympathy for his initial difficulties, which, in fairness, they put right. Yes, and I think he'll rectify it. It's a bit of an old-fashioned throw that's required, actually. And... Um, what a lot of people don't realise are that the guys that are jumping against Ireland are six foot eight, six foot uh, six foot eight, six foot nine. They're being lifted by guys that are six foot six, so it's like threading a needle from um, from about ten yards. So it needed to drop into a tiny area, and I think just to make certain it wasn't picked off by the first jumper, he put a bit more on it and it went a little bit higher. And that happened a few times. That's the nature of playing against a great line-out team. Um, but you do you just have to move them around far quicker. And to be honest, Dan Sheehan has a slightly different flight to his throw and I think it makes it easier for him then afterwards. Yeah. Were they infringing in the line-out um, or were they uh, being absolutely not, not, fair? Not enough to be not enough to be complaining about. I would say. I think that's the nature. There's everything is is, is just on the edge always, mm-hmm. as it needs to be. Now, uh, one of the talking points last evening on on uh, Virgin Media when they were uh, doing their post match analysis was Johnny Sexton's intervention with the referee, where he spoke to the ref about the ref warning uh, South Africa again and again against uh, potential infringement, and him saying. Let them at it. We get penalties when they infringe. You're stopping them giving us penalties. Yeah, well, I look, that's that's leadership, really, isn't it? I mean, he's when he says that to a referee, that just drifts into the referee's subconscious and whether it comes up again afterwards, you know. But it was a game played with huge discipline. That's what I would have liked. And I liked the manner in which Johnny controlled a huge amount of that game. And he was calm amid the onslaught. And uh, this is a guy that is no spring chicken and he took a lot of hits on the day, but he also didn't look as if any of them hurt him. And whether they hurt him or not, he wasn't letting them know that they did, you know. Yeah. Um, No red card, no yellow card, no TMO. Um, A a game that was played with incredible discipline by both sides. Uh, Great discipline. And then you could see the, the mutual admiration at the end of the game. 
there were winners, there were losers, but there was no enmity between any of the sides and it looked pretty phenomenal. They, they'd been through something extraordinary. Um, but South Africa have been through this before. They've lost games before and gone on to win World Cups in the same competition. So they know that they have that capacity to do it again. Mm-hmm. So I think they'll have learned an awful lot of themselves as well. Yeah. Um, now, technically, we still uh, might not make a quarter final if we were beaten by Scotland, didn't get a bonus point and uh, everything came right for, for Scotland in terms of um, the, their next match, which I'm sure they'll win handsomely. Um, but uh, anyway, we're not going to even dwell on that uh, for a moment because I'd prefer to dwell on the misery of Australia and what it tells us about Wales. Yeah. I mean, well, Australia, that was a crazy game of rugby because you... Wales have been on the floor for pretty much a year, year and a half. Um, they have resorted to a very simple game plan and they're playing it unbelievably well. I mean, unbelievably well. They made, I don't think they made a mistake in the whole game. And Australia just, they looked hapless and um, rudderless and lost in, in many respects. And look, I think Eddie Jones has made a decision that he wanted to build a, a new team and he's left a lot of senior guys at home. Yeah. But when you're under pressure, you need some senior guys to lean on and uh, they were missing. They were back in I'd Australia. I'd say Eddie Jones is toast. Just finally, Keith, uh, one of the listeners wants to know what you think of uh, a forward pass for the box try. Two metres forward, says our listener. In my day, that would have been miles forward and would have been whistled. Okay, and I'm bearing in mind now, I watched the game in the stadium. I haven't actually watched it back afterwards. A lot of forward passes where the ball does go forward are not forward passes. They're driven by momentum. And I don't know whether that one is in that situation or not, but and that is the case. You can pass the ball backwards, but if you're moving fast enough, the ball goes forward, especially if it's a long pass. It seems to look blatantly forward. But if the hands are passing backwards and the first movement of the ball is backwards, then it's not a forward pass. All right, Keith, uh, thank you very much for your wisdom. And we all look forward to a two-week rest from the stress. And then we get going again against Scotland. Uh, Keith Wood, thank you very much. And Kathleen McNamee also. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.